Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark chapter 11. And we'll begin at verse number 12. We're going to continue our study on the subject of faith. And um, I, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an opinion. I, you know, I think it's an opinion based in something the Holy Spirit revealed to me. But again, nowhere will you find in Scripture this is the greatest faith lesson ever taught. But I believe what we find in Mark, the 11th chapter, is the greatest faith lesson ever taught. It's not the only faith lesson in the Bible. There's lots and lots of faith lessons in the Bible, but I believe this is the greatest one. And it's the greatest faith lesson for a lot of reasons. Number one, it's because it's an object lesson. It's something that, that Jesus uh, put on display. He demonstrated faith for us, for his disciples and for us. But also we see because it's an object lesson and, and was demonstrated, that it's a practical faith lesson. In other words, we've been hearing from the Holy Spirit around here now for several weeks that faith is not passive, that faith is active. Just believing that God exists would be a passive uh, version of faith, a passive form of faith. But remember, those who come to God must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So believing He exists is one thing, but taking that same faith and diligently pursuing God above everything else, see, again, that's where our faith becomes active. And so when we think in terms of faith, you know, some folks in the room, some folks listening uh, online, you know, they know a great deal about faith. Others in the room, others listening online, you're new to, to this. And, and so whether you've been studying and learning about faith for decades or whether this is something relatively new to you, um, in other words, you don't have to have known about faith for 20 years um, to really be able to experience some amazing results in your life by faith. Um, it's somewhere in my notes. I'll, I'm just getting a set up here tonight. But we see in two different places in the Gospels where Jesus marveled at faith. Um, in, in one instance, a Syrophoenician woman, that just simply means she was a non-Jewish woman, from, uh, Canaanite, um, she came to Jesus on behalf of her daughter, and Jesus said that she had great faith. And then in the, on the other occasion, it was a Roman centurion. And Jesus said he had the greatest faith in the nation of Israel. And he said that with his staff standing right behind him. He said that with, with people who were raised in the church, um, right there, you know, in his presence. And I point that out to you tonight as we get, as we get going, because you may say, well, I'm kind of new to this, I'm kind of a, a beginner. The greatest faith Jesus found on the earth was in non-Jewish, non-religious people, um, which tells us there are some things perhaps about faith then that we don't understand. Amen. If the, if the two greatest examples of faith... Um, we're in folks who, you know, <laughs> weren't raised in Jewish tradition and, and these sorts of things, all right? So, let's jump in here. Mark chapter 11. We'll begin at verse number 12. We're going to do some reviewing tonight, um, and that's on purpose. That's strategic. It says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, Bethany's a, a, a place, a, a city, um, the Bible says he was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. 
and his disciples heard it. Now, because of the way Jesus handled this situation, it drew attention to it. And, and so as we've already mentioned, this is an object lesson on faith. And so when Jesus spoke to the tree, He was <clears throat> setting things up for what would happen the next day when they came back through and passed by that tree. So verse 20, Mark 11 and verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, you have to, again, use your imagination here, but, you know, imagine that you just witnessed this. You were there yesterday and a little bit confused by Jesus looking for figs on a tree when it wasn't the season for figs, and then Jesus, you know, speaking to that fig tree that no one would ever eat fruit from you ever again. And so you were there when all that happened. You didn't really understand it. To our knowledge, there was not much discussion of it. And then you're standing there the next morning and this beautiful, healthy tree full of green leaves now has dried up and withered from the root overnight. And they're like, look at this, Jesus. Look what's happened here. And in that moment, Jesus plants in their hearts and in ours, have faith in God. In other words, whether they were saying it or not, what was in their hearts was something to the effect of, what have we just witnessed? What is going on here? What just happened? What, what did this? And this is, of course, Jesus answering the question, either they were asking that we don't have recorded, or that they were asking within themselves. And he again, an object lesson on the subject of faith. Now, verse... Um, let's go to verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly... Anytime Jesus says assuredly, remember, He's, he's bracing you for something that's going to sound too good to be true. He's, pre he's preparing you for something that's not going to seem like it could be true, but it is. And, and so He's almost saying, um, you know, hold on here... Hold on for the ride here. Don't choke on this, but, but hear this out. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Then the summation of the whole lesson, verse 24, therefore, in light of these things, that's what therefore means, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Don't wait till you receive them to believe you receive them. Believe that you receive them when you pray. If you believe you receive them when you pray, you will have them. You will have them. Amen. Now, of all the things, I believe the Holy Spirit led me to the weed killer roundup to better understand and teach faith. And we spent the entire sermon last Wednesday night on this. I went back, I listened to the whole sermon again this week. And, um, and so, I'm, you know, maybe you're a lot sharper than me, all right? But 
number one, the Holy Spirit helped me write the sermon. Number two, I preached the sermon. Number three, I've listened to the sermon. And then I went back through it again tonight, you know, this afternoon. And I'm like, man, we need to go back through some of this, right? Okay. So if you understand how weed killer Roundup works, you spray it on, uh, my favorite thing to spray it on is poison ivy. I just, you know, poison ivy was a childhood nemesis, you know. Um, amen. I never forget one day we were burning some and just the smoke, you know, amen. I mean, it just looked like we had some kind of disease or something, you know. And um, so anytime I have a chance to kill some poison ivy and eradicate it, I, I enjoy it. And I, I, I annihilated a lot of it yesterday. I was over in the vacant lot across the street from me just killing it because I wanted to. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so if you understand how that works, you spray the Roundup on the, the weed, the poison ivy, and it puts kind of this shiny gloss to it. It, it, it actually makes it look healthier. But when you do that, you release a substance that sets in motion a process that eventually brings a result. You don't see the poison ivy die when you spray the Roundup on it. But it's dead. It doesn't look dead, but it's dead. And so once we release that substance of Roundup, right, in, onto that plant, the results are at that point inevitable. I believe that I received death to all of that poison ivy I sprayed yesterday. But this morning you couldn't even really tell that, that anything had changed. Um, but again, my confident expectation is that it's lights out for that poison ivy, right? Okay, so let's just work through our, our, our way through some of the main points from last week. Um, we, I'm not going to give it to you exactly the way we did last week. I'm going to try to abbreviate it. But we said that Roundup was a substance I did not produce or create but receive from someone else, and faith is the same way. I, did, I, I didn't create faith. God created it, and it's a substance it's a spiritual substance that, that is in every person. Romans 12, 3 says God's given to every person the measure of faith. So the first thing I just want to remind you of, or if you weren't here last week, explain to you, faith is a substance I did not produce or create, but received from someone else. And if, if you're breathing tonight, you have faith, right? Faith is a tool for me to use for my benefit. You were created by God to solve problems with faith, right? And then we said faith is a substance I strategically use to solve specific problems in my life. The same way I use Roundup, I strategically use it to solve a specific problem. Faith, in the same way, is a substance I strategically use to solve specific problems in my life. Moving right along. Faith will do for me something I desire but do not have the ability to do myself. Faith will do for me something I desire but do not have the ability to do myself. Faith will not produce the results I desire unless I take the initiative to release it. Now, if I was just going to single out two or three of these, that would have been on the list right there. That one is really, 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 I'm going to say it two more times, really, really important. Right? Just because you have the measure of faith inside of you, that doesn't mean that measure of faith is going to produce results in your life. You have to take the initiative to release it. Roundup on a shelf in my garage will never kill 
a single weed in my yard. I have to get it off the shelf and I have to release it. You have to get the faith off the shelf in your heart and release it. Okay? Now, faith must be applied according to the manufacturer's instructions in order to receive the results it's capable of producing. Here are the manufacturer's instructions. It tells us how to take the substance of faith that we've been given and release it in the same way if you've ever seen the back of a, of a, of a Roundup, you know, especially the concentrate, you know, you peel that thing off, it's got a little booklet in there, you know. And, uh, and it even talks about, you know, this substance is known to do this in, in the state of California and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, faith is a, is a substance known to cure terminal illness. Faith is a substance known to eradicate debt overnight. Faith is a substance known to bring God's best into your life. Faith is a substance known to set the captives free. You follow what I'm saying? It's a known substance that will cause all of these different effects and benefits in our lives. But again, in the same way Roundup must be applied according to the manufacturer's instructions, faith also must be applied according to the manufacturer's instructions in order to receive the results it's capable of producing. All right? Let's keep moving. When I release faith according to the manufacturer's instructions, I set in motion a process that will produce the results I desire. Amen. No maybe, no if, it will produce the results that I desire. Once I release faith, the only way to keep it from producing the results I desire is to interrupt its effectiveness before it produces the desired results. In other words, unless something stops it, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Yesterday, I was, I was telling Pastor Rick this afternoon, I, I was, um, when I was spraying those weeds, I had worked my way around the fence down the backyard, and then I was coming back up, and there was just, just kind of this one clump, you know, that was sitting there. And um, so I decided I was going to hit it again, you know. I hit it again. Clear as a bell, the Holy Spirit said, wasn't necessary. <laughs> wasn't necessary. See, when we don't understand how faith works, we think we've got to just keep releasing it and keep releasing it and keep releasing it and keep releasing it, right? We have no idea. Jesus didn't speak to that tree 16 times. He spoke to it one time, went about his way, set in motion, released faith, set in motion a substance that was going to perform the word that he spoke, and when he came back the next morning, it was dead, right? Amen. That's the example. That's the standard that he set for us. Matter of fact, why would I have shot that weed a second time? Because I wasn't sure. There was doubt in my heart. You see? How the, so again, no need. To, no need. Only, only reason to uh, hit it a second time is if something washed it off and, 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 and interrupted its effectiveness. Amen. We'll talk about that. Well, we'll talk about it right now. How about this? You cannot unspray Roundup, but you can unsay faith. So just keep that in your mind, and we'll come back to it. Are you glad we're reviewing this, or do you wish we had moved on to something else? Is that all right? Okay. So, <clears throat> let's, um, let's do this one. On, on the one hand, you have the amazing power and complexities of faith, while on the other hand, the ease and simplicity of releasing and setting it in motion. And I mentioned this at the beginning, and I'll just bring them up again. Maybe we'll look deeper into their lives in the future. But the Roman centurion and the Syrophoenician woman, um, the great faith or the greatest faith that Jesus had seen on the earth, those were the comments that he made about th these two individuals' faith. Notice, they, what they understood, I don't know if they knew what they were doing was called faith. 
right? The centurion just, you know, he said, look, I'm a man of authority. I'm a man under authority and of authority. I recognize that you're a man under authority and of authority. I say to my servant, go when he goes, come when he comes. And because you're under a different kind of authority, a spiritual authority, you can say standing right here, right now, for my ser servant to be healed at home, and, and he'll be healed. Now again, I don't know if he was like, you know, un even understanding what he was doing was called faith, or that he was releasing faith when, when he did that. But again, that's exactly what this was. Now, one of the things that I want to clear up from last week's sermon, and it has to do with how this works. And so let me, we said that I don't have to know how faith works for it to work for me. Now, what we mean by, and I just want to clear this up, when I say how faith works, I'm talking about how faith does what it does for it to do it for me. Let me, I don't know how faith heals terminal illness. But we know it does. We know the woman with the issue of blood. She had a chronic terminal illness, was almost at the point of death. She touched Jesus' garment and Jesus said, your faith made you whole. Okay? So she released a substance that the doctors of her day had no medicine to solve no medicine to fix, no medicine to cure, no treatment. And the Bible said she had spent every penny she had and had suffered many things at the hands of the doctors and they couldn't help her. So they were trying all kinds of remedies, all kinds of cures, all kinds of, of treatments and, and no doubt um, concoctions and, and you know, snake oil, whatever. You know, all these things to try to help her. None of that did anything to help her. But faith, the spiritual substance of faith, made her well. It made her whole again. Now again, I don't understand how it does that. I don't understand how faith can, can erase debt. I don't understand how faith can fill your bank account. I don't understand how faith can completely change your, your life and future. But I don't have to know how it works. I just have to know how to work it. Right? I don't understand how Roundup kills poison ivy, but I don't have to be a chemical engineer to benefit. I just know how to point and shoot. Right? So on one hand, you've got the complexities of, of faith and what it's, the amazing power and results that it can produce. But on the other hand, you've got the simplicity, right, of believing in your heart and, and releasing it by speaking it out of your mouth. So again, how faith works versus how to work faith. So when I say that I don't have to know how it works, I mean how it does what it does. But I do, and you do, we have to know how to work it. Are you, are you, I want to make sure that's clear. Uh, amen. You know, praise God, I think you got it already. So let's keep moving on, right? So... We said you release faith by believing in your heart and confessing with the nozzle of your mouth, pointing your words at the problem and releasing the spiritual substance of faith from your heart. <laughs> One more time. See, again, a child can do it. A child can do it. You release faith by believing in your heart, confessing with the nozzle of your mouth, 
pointing your words at the problem and releasing the spiritual substance of faith from your heart. All right, let's go back to Mark 11, 22 and 23. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. He's fixed to show you what that actually looks like. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have, he will have whatever he says. Okay, let's look at this uh, uh, a similar account. Amen. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's go to Matthew 17 and 20 first. Uh, let me just put it on the screen. Let's, let's move a little quick tonight if you're writing this down. Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, this is on the heels of... Um, a, a, a dad who brought his son to the disciples to, to have the demon cast out of him, and the, the disciples tried to cast the demon out, but the demon didn't go. Jesus, you know, comes back on the scene a little bit later, and he cast the devil out, and the disciples are asking him, why, why could we not cast the devil out? And, and, and Jesus says, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I know it didn't seem like it, guys, because you sure think you were in faith when you said all that. But assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what I want to do, I, just, I really felt like we needed to highlight this. So notice here, I'm taking this straight out of this verse. If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. If you have faith, you will lay around in your bed complaining, hoping that something will work out for you one day. Is that what this says? No. It says if you have faith, you will say to this mountain. Amen. If you have faith, what are you going to do? You're going to say to this mountain, in other words, this is how faith is released. This is how the substance of faith that is already inside of you, faith is aroused and awakened by hearing the Word of God. It's strengthened by giving glory to God and by, by, by saying within yourself the things that God has said. It feeds and strengthens your faith. And then you get ready to release that faith. How do you release it? I'm being silly, but you just kind of stand there and go, no, it's not how you release faith. If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. Jesus spoke to mountains. Jesus spoke to, to fish. Jesus spoke to fevers. Jesus spoke to trees. Jesus spoke to storms. Jesus spoke to waves. Are you hearing me? He spoke to these things. He spoke to money. He called money out of a fish's mouth. He spoke to it. If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. If you have faith, you will say to this sickness. If you have faith, you will say to this fever. If you have faith, you will say to this lack. If you have, no, are you seeing this, right? See, this is the part, this part right here is the part the devil fights. Oh my gosh, there are people who have written entire volumes, books, whole books, that knows how he tries to diminish it, right? Blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. Oh, one of them, name it and claim it bunches, right? Always, you know, so forth. No, say it and spray it, my brother. Are you understand what I'm saying? Praise God. 
Praise God. Oh, so you're one of those? You mean you're not? See, we try to make this to be some extreme doctrine. This is not some extreme doctrine. This is straight down the center of how faith works. Jesus demonstrated it for us over and over again. And the devil's doing everything he can to make you feel foolish, silly, awkward. Remember, we said this before. He made fun of what David brought to the battle. Goliath made fun of what David brought to the battle. Oh, so you're going to come to me like I'm some dog with a rock and a stick? Har, 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 har. Thud right between the eyes, right? That is the devil tipping his hand. He's always going to try to make you believe what you bring to the battle against him is not enough. And he is lying to you. So I've been asking you now for the last few weeks, I'm asking you again, what have you sent your faith out in the field of your life to, to do for you? The Bible says your faith is like a servant that goes and works for you. What have you deployed it to do? What have you sent it out to do? How have you released it, right? If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. Amen. Well, praise God. How about this one? This, is, this one's going to set somebody just like on fire alive. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? They can't get over this. They're like, man, this is amazing. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, this idea that this is just Jesus showing off His power, trying to impress us. No, it's an object lesson. He's trying to teach you about the faith that you have, what the faith you've been given will do. Notice again, and if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. I know I've done said it 17 times. Again, just pulling that section out of that passage. You will not only do what was done to the fig tree. All right, say it with me. I will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but I will say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Do you see how Jesus is saying? Because they're like in shock and awe about this thing. And Jesus is like, would you please settle down? The fig trees will obey you too. The mountains will obey you too. The winds will obey you too. The seas will obey you too. Not, not only, <laughs> you will not only do what was done to the fig tree. They're like, how could this be? Jesus is like, man, this is like just beginner level stuff here, guys. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, so the results faith produces are not immediately visible. That's important because once faith is released, I become confident in the results even though I cannot see them. This is huge right here. 
Because remember, I can't see the results. The substance called Roundup, when I release it, I can't see the results immediately. But I have confident expectation. So this is what Jesus is saying, back to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. All right? So if you believe you received, you will receive what you believed. Pay close attention to that now. If you believe you received past completed action, you will receive what you believed, future benefit. So after spraying the poison ivy with Roundup, but I'd be out of line to tell Pam I just killed the poison ivy out back by the fence, even if it still appears to be very much alive. No, I'm not out of line. I'm telling her exactly what I just did. And this is what the Bible is referring to in Romans 4 and 17 when he says this, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Again, speaking of Abraham, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. All right, I got two minutes after eight. That was the introduction, okay, but that's all right. Just, just hang with me for a minute, okay? Did it help you to go through it again? <clears throat> have you, I'm not asking you to like shout out what you've done, but have you, have you spent some quality time this week you know, releasing faith on some situations in your life. Have you done that? Amen. Amen. Did you put your cell phone down when you did it? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Amen. And I'm not, I don't mean that rude, but, you know, I mean, again, we need to, we need to get ourselves, you know, focused and, and uh, um, you know, amen. Praise God. Take it serious. It, it, it means something, right? This next section, and we're only going to be able to get it started tonight. But this, this is some areas that the Lord is really correcting how I've understood all this over the years. And first of all, let's, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, I'll put it on the screen. It says, Now abide faith... Hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, you may think it's just a coincidence, but I don't believe it's a coincidence that they're in that order. Faith, hope, and love. Now, with that said, let's go to Hebrews 11 and 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So obviously every single word in this verse is chock full of meaning. It's, it's, every word is specific, strategic, 
intentional, deliberate. And what it's doing here is, is providing a hub, if you will, of truth that we can take those other things that Jesus has taught us about faith and drag them over onto this and we start seeing a really full picture develop of what faith is and how it works in and through our lives. I want to start with that word substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This word substance means that which underlies, that which underlies or provides the basis for. Hence the reality, basis, assurance, guarantee, or confidence. And we see this same word translated substance here all of those different ways um, in different places in the, in the scriptures. Okay? So when he says, everybody got your, your Holy Ghost thinking helmets on, all right? When he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, he's saying that faith is the basis for hope. Faith is that which underlies providing support for our confident expectation. Now what we know about faith, hope, and love is that it, we talk about them individually, but it's a system. When it says now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, the grace of these is love, he's meaning that, that you can never separate one from the other because God has established those things to stand alongside one another, work together with one another, complement one another in our lives. Okay? Alright? So, Faith cannot produce results in your life without hope. And faith, the Bible says, is energized by love. Love is an act of your will, is to your faith what gasoline is to your car. And we've taught on these things, maybe we'll circle back around to them again, but the Bible says that that when we love not just in what we say, but in what we do, we assure our hearts before God. If you have nagging doubts about God in your life, consistently begin to get outside of yourself and do something for somebody else and watch faith come alive in you like an eight-cylinder engine. Okay? But the way I have had it taught to me over the years and the way I have in turn taught it over the years is that hope comes before faith, I don't, I don't believe that anymore. Um, I've, I've even heard it taught, and I have taught that hope provides a blueprint that faith then gives substance to. Now, again, I, I'm not trying to... to um, I'm not... How do I say this? Praise God. There's, there is some truth to that. But I think, remember, the devil can't take the faith away from you that God's given to you. You do know that, don't you? He, when, you know, he put that faith in you. The devil can't just like while you're asleep come and, and steal that away from you. So this is why he tries so hard to neutralize your faith 
by you never hearing the Word of God, by you never keeping the Word of God in your heart and before your eyes and in your ears. But also he tries to attack your faith from the hope side and from the love side. In other words, if, if we're living lives filled with regret and selfishness, that substance of faith inside of you is going to pretty much be neutralized. It's, it's not going to be able to produce any kind of results that it could otherwise produce in your life. So this, th that's strategic, and, and all of that is still in place. But listen to me. Here's, here's the, I think, where uh, another huge missing link, and, and, it's, and it's what we think of when we think of hope. And so much of what people call hope today is not hope at all. It's nothing more than wishful thinking. It's, it's nothing more than, you know, some vague thought that surely one day something good's going to happen better than what has happened in the past. So I have high hopes, right? Well, in the same way, genuine faith has a basis. What is the basis for genuine faith? It's the Word of God. Am I right about this? Our faith is rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and ultimately the Word of God is rooted and grounded in the integrity of God. Right? So we can trust His Word because we can trust Him. He cannot lie. Right? So His Word is true because He's true. So He prefers His Word above His name. We could go on and on with that. But again, the Word of God, it's, it's supported by God Himself. And then that word supports your faith. And then it's your faith that supports, provides the basis for your confident expectation. See, genuine hope, remember we spent, I don't know, last year sometime, we talked a lot about counterfeit faith. Some of you were here for that. Counterfeit or simulated faith or something we call quasi-faith. Looks just like faith, but it ain't faith. It's, it's, it's like... It's like, you know, simulated leather. It looks like leather, but it ain't leather. It's naga hide, right? They even put aromas in it so it smell like leather. But it ain't leather. It, it looks so much like it, but it's not the real thing. And that's what happens with so many people. They, they try to get all the trappings just right so that what they have going on in their life looks like faith, but it ain't faith. And it's, and it's even a bigger mystery when it comes to counterfeit hope. The Bible talks about a hope that will not disappoint. That's the kind of hope I want, right? Anybody ever had hope and your hopes were disappointed? That ain't Bible hope. God hope, Bible hope, don't disappoint you. That's how you know it's real. So the only way genuine hope that will never disappoint you, only way it can be genuine is if it's based upon something that will always produce. And what is that? That's faith, which is supported by God's Word, which is supported by God Himself. So you got God, you got His Word, you got faith supported by, you got the Word supported by God, you got the faith supported by the Word, and then you got hope supported by faith. Let's go back to it. Why do I have confident expectation that the poison ivy I sprayed yesterday is on its way out? Now it's past the point of no return. I think once that stuff's on there for a few hours, it's, it's over. You can't, I mean, it's just goner, right? Why can I talk so boldly and confidently about that, right? I have confident expectation. That's, that's hope for some future good. I have that confident expectation based upon a belief that I have in Roundup. I believe in that stuff. You see what I'm saying? 
So because I released it, now, based upon my belief in that product, I have confident expectation of the future result. That I will receive what I have believed. Are you seeing this? Now, I'm out of time, but I ain't out of stuff. Let's, let's try to praise God. So evidence, real quick. Evidence is certain persuasion and proof that refutes any contradiction. Think about that now. That's evidence. See, somebody make a claim, we want some evidence, right? So evidence is certain persuasion and the proof that refutes any contradiction. That's faith. Faith is the proof that refutes any contradiction. I need another hour, but let me just, give me two minutes, okay? Don't really give me two minutes, just give me a little bit. Think about what he's saying here. Faith by its very nature refutes contradiction. Which tells us what? There's going to be contradiction. There's going to be symptoms that say you're not healed. There's going to be issues that say they're not, this is not resolved. There's going to be evidence in the sense realm that you can see, that you can feel, that you can hear, that, that you know, the way it looks and the way it seems and the way it feels. There's going to be things after you believe that you receive that's going to contradict. It's going to say, no, no. That didn't happen. That poison ivy didn't die. It's as alive now as it's ever been, right? See, this is the devil's tactics to try to get us to unsay our faith. To interrupt its effectiveness. Roundup is the certain persuasion and proof that refutes any evidence contradicting the poison ivy's demise. If I go out in my backyard when I get home and put a flashlight on that poison ivy and it still looks as green as it did yesterday, that's visual evidence, that sits around evidence that says nothing's happened, but I know better. I have evidence, I have proof that refutes any contradiction. Are you seeing this, right? See, what happens with so many folks is they release their faith and then when something contradicts what they believe, they cave like a cheap lawn chair. Oh man, I thought that was, oh Pastor Mark got us all stirred up and I just thought this was going to work, but now I just I feel so stupid speaking the mountains like I'm some idiot, you know, blah, 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 right? No, 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 quit unsaying your faith. Quit unsaying it, right? All right, stand with me, praise God. I'm not done. I'm just asking you to stand and make you feel like I'm done, all right? There will always be sense realm evidence contradicting what you have believed you received or else there would be no need for faith. Think about it. If there was no contradiction and you already had in your bank account, you already had in your body, you already had in your life, whatever it is that you believe, there's no need for faith at this point. 
If it already looked, seemed, and felt like you received, there would be no need to believe you have. You know you have, right? Amen. You get anything out of this? All right, now. We got some faith to release. Anybody got situation in mind? Some, some problems, some issues, some, some crisis? Some, amen. All right. I mean, let's be strategic about it, right? If you have faith, you'll say to this mountain, come on now. So, Pastor Mark, do you really believe all this? I am all this. I, this, I, this, this ain't just something. Amen. This is who we are. This is how our creator functions, and he created us to look like he looks and to function like he functions. You say, could it really be that easy, Pastor Mark? Please don't wait till you get to heaven to find out it is. Please don't wait till you get to heaven to find out that it is. Amen. Father, thank you again for these men and women. Thank you, Father. Lord, for their presence in this room. Lord, they could be other places doing other things tonight. They could be somewhere enjoying themselves, watching television, taking a nap, reading a book, whatever, Father. Some hobby, some other interest. But yet they chose the part that your word says can never be taken away from them. They chose to come and, and worship you and to receive from you tonight. Father, I thank you that you're teaching us how to speak to mountains teaching us how to take the substance of faith that's in our heart and follow your simple instructions for releasing it and moving the obstacles, the hindrances, the things that cause pain, the things that cause frustration, the, the, the things that seem to keep us from progressing any further in life. Father, you're showing us how to overcome those things with the faith that you've given us. And oh, how it pleases you, Father. Oh, how it honors you. Oh, Lord, how it brings glory to your name. When your children follow in your footsteps and, and use faith and, and function the way you function. And Father, to see us growing in our understanding and increasing, Father, in, in our effectiveness, Lord. May your name be glorified, Father in all that we are and in all that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.